Hello everyone, welcome to Adoption Adventures. Hoping, as always, that your week is starting well and that there are many smiles going on in your life. Um, I am really excited, as always, to be able to announce that we have a guest joining us today. Um, I had a listener reach out to me um, and tell me a little bit about their background, their story, and I thought, this sounds amazing. You guys need to hear about it. So without any further ado, let me welcome on Anna. Hello, Anna. Hello. Lovely <laughs> to be here. And you. Thank you so much. Now, Anna, like I say, I've had your email. I know. I know a bit about your background, but the listeners don't. So would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a single uh, parent to three children. I have one birth child um, through a known donor. I have two adopted children who are birth siblings, full birth siblings. Uh, I didn't adopt them as a, um, as a sibling group. Um, so I adopted my first son uh, through concurrent planning. Mm -hmm. uh, he's coming up to six now and I he he arrived with me at four days old straight from the hospital wow um, and then uh two three years ago nearly three years ago I had a phone call um about his sibling who had just been born or actually I think, I think he was just about to be born mm. um and so I adopted I adopted him through traditional adoption so he went to a foster carer first yeah um, and then um moved in with me as a as an adoption placement when he was approaching 10 months old wow okay so i have uh, the full range of different kind of parenting you, you really do like like i say when you got when you sent your email i was like wow how many how many more boxes could you tick <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and, so, uh, and uh, yeah <laughs> it was it was it's interesting to kind of go down all those different different routes I suppose yeah yeah I bet it was I mean so looking and I'm, I'm going to come into all of this but the the first son that you adopted you said through concurrent um adoption that's what we would know now as fostering to adopt or early permanence isn't it it's it's when you're taking the child literally you yeah. are their first placement essentially yes yes absolutely um my understanding is that there is a very kind of there is a slight difference in that concurrency sometimes happens a bit further before um so there is there is a higher chance of rehabilitation to birth family through concurrent planning right than there is to, to adopt um uh and from my own experience there were a number of the, the people that i was on training with because we trained as both fosters and adopters mm. at the same time yeah um and a, a number of um families did have children who were rehabilitated to birth family which is kind of what we were there for that was the, the point of that really and in, in the way that that's the point of fostering mm, yeah I um but I guess that's and, and I'm doing guesswork and you might say it's, it's different but th that for me that would be a, a, a huge worry and a huge fear you you're given the training you're told look you do you do want them to be placed back with family because that is the end that would be a great end goal but that must be that must be quite a challenge thinking or or is that a challenge when when your son moved in with you did you find yourself 
wanting to hold back or did you say no I'm all in I'm asking a million questions so they're all really interesting questions I mean I think the the first thing to say is that the training is um quite intense Mm. um and it really does focus on on this notion of rehabilitation that yeah. there are in current planning there are two plans in place yeah. you there, there is one plan which is that the, the child can be rehabilitated with birth family often that will be wider family mm. lots, lots of birth parents themselves um, and then the second plan in place at the same time is that you will go on to adopt so it's you you are try they, they do try very hard to train you to have the um attitude of a foster carer yeah even though you you have approached this as something where by you want it to be permanent for for your own family um but so there are so there are certain things that you're encouraged not to do which is to not call yourself mummy from the beginning and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so you um call yourself by by your name um and it, it, and that's an interesting one because then it becomes a very different um kind of point at which you are allowed to call yourself mummy because you know you're, you're used to it in a, in a certain yeah. way calling yourself by your name um and the training you know and it is hard work and it is um the the one word that they always use was resilience so they they kind of hope that you are resilient enough to to go through these levels of uncertainty and I think for me out of all those three ways of parenting the there are so many you know you have these experiences we all have these experiences as parents there are so many difficult things that you go that you go through but I think the hardest thing completely was that period of uncertainty of going to bed at night and the way I would deal with it and my social worker said this might not be the best way of dealing with it Anna but if it's working for you carry on doing it and this was I would I would actually list the things that I would send with him back to mm. his birthday, he was to if he was to go back and I would think through as a way of um knowing that there would be continuity for him were he to be rehabilitated to know yeah. that he would have that I would I would know the things that he had mm. when he was away from me um and I was I you know I, I consider myself very lucky clearly um for his birth family it was not lucky, I, you know, and there's mm. always grief, there's always loss, isn't there, um, in adoption stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I as, as I said, there are some people who I know who did have their children rehabilitated, and it was very hard, but also they all went back and mm. did it again. Because, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting because, they, you know, we are told be resilient if, you, if you've got this kind of resilience in you. Then, then do it. And, you know, having a, a, a baby from birth, um, there are clearly going to be benefits yeah. um, in terms of um, attachment, um, in terms of early permanence. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so you had a birth child already. Um, what's the age gap between your birth child and your second child? So there's a an age gap of five years between the first and second, and then okay, so three years for the boys. So at that point, like you were saying, you sort of you you, you can't identify yourself as as mummy to to the baby, but you are still mummy in the home, um, and yeah. and and yeah. 
and that in itself i imagine and then obviously going on to do it again that must have felt like um like a huge amount of work um to to sort of i mean i only adopted one and there was two of us and i was exhausted adopting whilst being a foster carer and a parent to a five-year-old i mean five-year-olds they're not exactly a walk in the park right <laughs> they're, they're not though yeah they're not absolutely um, <laughs> And, and he had colic as well. That's, I also remember that. That was another really hard thing, colic. Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> you know how I think, I, I think for, for me and, f- and for my daughter, because the, the, the social workers did a lot of work with her as well, and I did a lot mm. of work with her. And um, I think the way we, we existed through that first year and a half, really, is through our life was, our life as a family was, entirely contingent it was Mm. it was never it was never fixed it was fluid and um to be able to talk about it in that way with her I mean obviously for him he was a tiny baby so we weren't talking to him in that in that way um but that made it much more easy and so I would I would I would have kind of one day I would talk to her about the future Mm -hmm. And it would be, oh, if he gets to stay with us, mm. then we'll be able to go on family uh, on family holiday together as, as three. Mm. That be so we'd talk about that. But the next day I would then um, reverse that and talk about the future if he was rehabilitated. And I'd again, I'd, I'd um, talk about how wonderful it would be for him to be with his birth family, mm. um, how we would be able to, the two of us would be able to go and do something together, <laughs> the things that she wants to do as a five-year-old that we can't do with a baby. Yeah. Um, so I think constantly shifting that sense of what those possible futures might be. Absolutely. It's a really helpful strategy. And I think it, it worked for her completely. Mm. I think, um, I mean, I, I think that's, what a beautiful way to to address it to to sort of have that fluid approach and to in in many ways it's it's a beautiful lesson in life isn't it because life is not rigid life is not strict and following rules so if you're able to say hey do you know what this might go this way but it might go that way but the way that you approach both saying how wonderful each one would be I think that's really wonderful. I I can only imagine that for your daughter, that must have been quite quite a refreshing moment, a bit chaotic, but nice chaos. Yes, yes, I think so. And I think I think chaos. I mean, families generally live in a lot of chaos anyway. And I think you know to to be able to make that a splendid thing, mm. uh, a celebratory chaos, as opposed to a you know a, a hideous, difficult chaos, is yeah. is really helpful um, and I think in, in doing that and in supporting her um I have to say that clearly helped me um I think it probably would have been actually harder for me if I'd been uh, uh, on my own as a solo parent without any children already mm. it really would have been me talking yeah to myself. <laughs> I, and I guess I guess um so again, I'm kind of putting this on my own shoulders here. So when I face any challenge or anything like that as a family, I kind of feel like I need to I need to carry the load of that and carry the weight of that and make it easier for little dude and to help him navigate that. Through doing so, I'm helping myself, but slowly. I guess like what you're saying there, you're you're able to 
carry the weight of that fear and anxiety for your daughter to then transfer that into something quite positive that then sinks through seeps through doesn't it and you go oh actually rehabilitation would be lovely that would be a wonderful thing but it'd also be lovely if if it didn't happen so I guess it it seeps through for yourself doesn't it and and that's got to be that's got to be nice yes absolutely absolutely and um and don't get me wrong I'm not like a uh, you know an, an angel about this you know there, there were moments where I really was you know really very scared that he would be rehabilitated you yeah know? there are moments where you have to perform these things I think in order to especially for as you say for young people for, yeah. for five yeah um so there was real fear I I can only imagine um and and I remember when when little dude moved in with us the and we had to then go to court to have it um, sort of make make it the placement official and I remember the, the fear that I had when I knew that little dude's mum was going to attend and contest and that that made me really scared angry frustrated worried all the whole roller coaster of emotions because as much as you're trained hey rehabilitation is on the cards it's you're also being told welcome this child into your home and into your lives and children they're cute for a reason right and they they win us over and you can't do that from a distance can you so you would have been emotionally attaching to your son oh absolutely yeah and and having now gone through the experience of traditional adoption and having experience of, of meeting um and um admiring greatly the foster family that he lived with and talking with um her in particular about so the period I'd already done a period of fostering but she was a a a kind of regular fosterer Mm. and to talk about you know even even knowing that the child might not be with you for longer than I don't know six months a year um it's still possible to love that child and you and you should love that child because these children that deserve to be loved in the way that all other children who are born into families are deserved mm. to be loved. And um, so, you know, so yes, absolutely. I, you know, the lo- love is there through the caring of the newborn baby. I mean, I often talk to my friends about um, love in relation to children as, you know, when, when I gave birth to my daughter, there was that instant mm-hmm. um, yeah. thing. And you certainly don't have that with adoption. Mm. Um, it's, it's some it's a it's very different experience and sometimes I think well actually is that is that is it just hormonal that let's talk about yeah probably it is you know but the 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 love itself is is no different Mm. and it just it just arrives in a different way and it's absolutely yeah the the delivery method is just a little bit different isn't it (laughs) but but I suppose that's um and again like I remember I remember when I was growing up my brother and I always used to ask my mum who do you love the most and she's like <laughs> no we love you both but just in different ways and I guess again it's 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 that love it's still there it's just it's found a different way of of arriving hasn't it so so that's yes. awesome um Absolutely. and had you had you done fostering prior to this or was this your first one wandering to that world yeah I I'd um I'd 
I think I approached it because I ha- had wanted to adopt. So I had decided that I, I, I wanted two children. Mm. Um, and so I thought, and I'd also from a very young age, I had wanted to adopt anyway. So I think even mm. if I had been for a couple, I think I would have wanted to, to adopt. Yeah. Um, and so that was a kind of natural um, thing for me. Now, when I went into the, the, the processes of adopting, and went into the system, I found it quite hard to find um, an agency that, that, that wanted me. I, I know that all the agencies say it doesn't matter who you are. But I have to say, if you are, um, if you are over 40 and a single woman, the, they, they, there were a number of places that said we won't, we won't be able to find you a, a child. Really? So, yes. Yeah, so I, um, that, that those were the, those were the, um, uh, the council, uh, mm, um, like the local authority agencies, the local authority agencies, yeah, and they were just being honest. They said that we will find it, uh, we will find it quite hard. Or what they'd say is it would, it will take a very long time. Mm. Um, of course, for me, I was probably I was forty three, I think, at this when I when I started, and I thought, well, I haven't got a long time. And eventually, I found a, a, vol- um, a voluntary agency. Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and who were who were much, much keener, mm. <laughs> and they they were the ones who first introduced me to because I'd never I'd never really known much about it, and I'd always wanted to foster, but as a single uh, carer for children, mm. um, I I need to work. I also work uh, at that point. I worked full time, um, and I thought, well, I, I can't I can't foster. It's a little bit too. Uh, too you know, too much of a secure, yeah. yeah and um but I, at that point they had just brought in the um ability to claim adoption allowance and yep. um, adoption leave I think it was literally a couple of months before I applied and they said why don't you consider this so that could happen at the beginning of your fostering yeah. period um yeah. so until that point, it was new and so so I I I, I thought well and they said it was probably take a lot quicker so I think a combination of feeling like I mm. um it might be good for for me um to be that little bit younger although as it turns out I ended up being 48 when my third son was no no absolutely and uh, I suppose I mean even that I, I find really um I find it disappointing that the first agencies weren't weren't excited about your application um because we're going back six seven years when you started maybe maybe eight maybe seven years yeah yeah so like the message of you can adopt that they've been trying to really get some wheels behind that that message of you can adopt you Mm -hmm. can adopt and trying to let people know actually let's let's break some barriers down you don't have to be a white Mm -hmm. mid um sort of middle of the range uh couple that are on amazing salaries that's not what is necessary anymore and the the message is trying to filter out that actually you can adopt anyone can come forward for adoption i believe they're now now that it's started to get some weight they're now changing it to can you adopt (laughs) 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 um but i I find that quite um disappointing and frustrating that that you weren't greeted with positivity because 
I am not a social worker, as will my my many episodes attest to my <laughs> inappropriateness. Um, but but from my perspective, I would look at that and say, okay, so I've got someone who is settled in their life, settled with their their home and how their their life is is fixed, and is a mother already, so has experience of doing this and getting this right that that's an application I'm interested in you know um yes yeah I mean I was I was I was also slightly surprised I have to say and I think mm. um I was dis- disappointed at that point uh, I have to say since then I mean now so, you know seven years or so that I see things going in waves mm. and it may well have been that it was a particular you, do you know what I mean a particular period yeah yeah um, I've met lots of single um, women and men who have gone on to adopt through the same agency that I ended up being with, and so, so maybe what maybe that was was part of it, but um, certainly a not, yeah. not a not encouraging start, I have to say. Absolutely. Well, well, well done for persevering. Obviously, that was yeah. a good decision. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a brilliant decision. Yeah, a wonderful decision. And with um, with your second adoption and third child um was that through local authority or was that back through your voluntary agency so that was through local authority yeah um, so so, I ha- so so many different um uh, uh agencies that i that i deal with through the two the two boys yeah. yes but of course it was you know a, a very different very different process um and i have to say there were things that I found far more alienating about that process than I did them through the concurrency process. And I think okay. main one for me, um, which will be important for anybody thinking about foster to adopt or, or concurrency is, is the, the, the relationship that you build up with birth parents, mm. which I, you know, I, I, with my, with my second boy, I, you know, I, I already knew the birth family. Yeah. Um, but I didn't meet them again. So through that traditional adoption, there wasn't there was no opportunity to do that. It also happened just at the beginning of the pandemic. So it, he, he arrived with me just a month before. So, and um, wow. also not surprising. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think one of the kind of really significant um, things about concurrency or fostering to adopt is the fact that I can talk to my um, sons about when I spent time with their birth parents because mm. I spent three, three times a week, two hours, uh, they went to contact for, he, he, sorry, he went to contact for nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we, we, you know, we, we did a handover at the beginning a handover at the end. So, you know, I wasn't in the same room with them for a very long period of time, but, but there is a, there is the, the opportunity if that is something that is uh, allowed through um, the process which people are going through to, to actually build up a relationship. Yeah. And I also have a photograph of myself with them, which is just, it's in, in his life book. Yeah. Life's book. And it's a wonderful way of being able to talk about them. It, it breaks them. a barrier, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I think it, it breaks a stigma as well um you know again whilst there's this stigma that you have to be white british middle class to adopt there's this stigma that if you're a birth family it must mean that you're the lowest of the low you're a demon with 15 heads and 
all of them are nasty and it's really easy to demonize our birth parents so actually for you to to meet them they stop being a name in a report and they become a person don't they absolutely yeah um and you you start to get a really strong sense of um circumstance you know situations uh how how situations can develop that that and that mean that people have difficulties and mm. lead chaotic lives and I think for me the biggest eye-opening um realization I think you know I think I knew this implicitly but because of that thing of um there's there's always through the training this sense of a power imbalance I'm good enough to, mm. to care for children I've been approved I'm good enough yeah uh, these people are not good enough yeah so there's this power balance all the way through um, but the realization when you meet the birth parents is that these people love their child. Yeah, you know, they, they completely and utterly, and just just as much as I went on to do. Yeah, and so to know that is quite a significant shift, and to be able to talk to him or to both of them now. Mm. Um, but you know, your 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 birth mum um, uh, and your birth dad loved you. Yeah with yeah. all their hearts they 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 never missed a, a session they never missed a contact session um, and, and how wonderful for you to be able to talk about that and and again we we talk an awful lot about how our children will f potentially feel split loyalties and feel like they're not allowed to feel like they miss their birth families and if they say that does that mean that they don't love you but for you to throw that into their world and say met them they love you and yeah. They, they couldn't do, they couldn't look after you and keep you safe, but it never stopped them loving you. It opens that door beautifully for, for your children to be able to say, can I ask something? Can I, can I just check in on something? And, and for me, I, I've learned my, my journey of contact has just been growing and growing and growing. And the more I learn about it, the less scary it becomes. Um, and I think having that openness it just makes makes it so much more easy for our children and that's that's what we need right that's what they deserve yes yeah yeah, yeah so you you dropped in there that like you just threw that in there that the the final placement was just before the pandemic so not only have <laughs> you got three children <laughs> you've now you've got a 10 month old that's moved in with you just at the start of the pandemic so you then endured on and on again off again two years of solitude essentially um yeah. how was that <laughs> oh that is a question yeah was, well i mean i just remember his the day after lockdown Mm. started um and it was uh a moment where you know we all we were all evaluating our <laughs> yeah. lives and our understandings of the world and our relationships in it and how wondering how can we how can we manage this not knowing it was going to be quite this long did we mm. but, um, yeah 
I, I yeah. saw a post yesterday. Um, like this is uh, the anniversary of when we was told to work from home for two weeks whilst this little flu passes. Uh, <laughs> no, no one really had any idea. Um, I'm not sure if anyone ended up having any idea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, sorry, I, I interrupted. Sorry. <laughs> but yes, I I I spent a, a lot of time. Um, kind of thinking being overwhelmed as you mm. probably imagine because I was the the sole solo parent of three children without any contact we had social work workers on um FaceTime and yeah. you know you know that that lovely period because I always like that period where they come around and um check up on you and you do your bit of a you bit you do what I used to call the social worker clean up so yeah. <laughs> like 10 minutes <laughs> um, but just having that sense of structure and uh contact was really helpful so that was that was difficult mm. um yeah but I also felt that in some ways it um because I found a, a very large difference between um the two boys in terms of um how they arrived into the family unit yeah so, you know, having a four-day-old is very different to having a 10-month-old that's, that's sitting up, that can smile and can see you properly and understand in whatever way they do the world around them far more than a four-day-old. Um, so for me, I think being able to use that period as a, as a way of attaching securely, mm -hmm. of making him feel secure in this world in this family yeah. Yeah. um which is small and he'd had a very positive experience of, of foster care um but he'd he'd so he had also come straight from from hospital into into foster care mm. um, but but to have that period to actually just focus down on us was probably you know it was super hard hard work for me i mean just logistically it was really difficult and emotionally mm. difficult, but i think <laughs> really good thing yeah and so I you know we are a very solid little gang now the nice nice <laughs> I like it I like it and um like so obviously yeah you you sort of adopted they are full siblings I'm assuming that you got a phone call to say hey there's this potential of uh, an, another child on the way is this something you would consider is, is that kind of how how that sort of started yes and I think that I had certainly been been always told that um uh that the social workers they want they want children to stay with siblings if at all possible yeah so, yeah. They, so that I would always get the phone call you know they said it they said it now uh, as, as well you know you we would always inform you yeah um, because that would be the, the most ideal place and you know absolutely I have to say I, I made the decision on the phone call. I, I didn't have to okay. go. It was, you know, I, it's too important for, for for me and for the boys. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By that point, you know, he, my my middle son was, you know, very much, you know, part of my family, and so for for me, this was part of his family, and therefore part of my family. So yeah. there was kind of no. 
you know, they said you, you, you've, they did actually say you've got 24 hours, you've got till tomorrow to decide because they're, they're going to court. So they didn't want, you know, it wasn't an absolute, absolute, but they wanted an indication when they went, when they went to court. Yeah. But I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I needed to really. Mm. Um, and for me, I think it is important that they have um, the, the chance to grow up together. Yeah. Um, and I spoke at length with his foster care, with his foster care about that as well. And how we both said, it's just beautiful that they can, they can grow up. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and how are they all getting on together? How's, how's the, the, the gang doing? Oh, they're doing great. They're, they're, there's a, there's, it's, our house is very chaotic and, um, <laughs> you know, I just I can't get on top of things <laughs> in terms of the house. house yeah. You know, and they, fight, they, they fight a bit and it's, the, the boys are big characters. I mean, super mm. big characters. Yeah, uh, they, they all are, all three of them actually. But um, so there's a lot of rough and tumble, um, and uh, a lot of a lot of laughter. Really, it's quite it's a it's a busy household. I'd, I'd say. Nice. It, it sounds like a great <laughs> household. <laughs> I, I'd say. Yeah, I can't. I cannot imagine. I cannot begin to imagine the trial of trying to get your washing basket empty. I can't. No, it doesn't. No, I, it doesn't I, ever. I don't think I'd even try. I'd be like, yeah, do you know what? It's always going to be full. Deal with it. <laughs> I popped next door to my neighbours the other day to pick up a parcel that they took in for me. And I went in because it was quite a big one to go and pick it up. And I just looked at their wonderfully calm, gorgeous <laughs> house. Like, oh, this is how other people live, is it? Oh, <laughs> well, this is what it is. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> a bit boring here isn't it yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> oh dear I mean yeah I and so obviously we've touched on the fact that you are a, a solo adopter and I I think I've met some incredible solo adopters um but obviously that means that you then have to I'm assuming you then have to work hard to build that support network and make sure like what we were talking about earlier, where you were going through the concurrency and saying to your daughter, right, well, this could happen or this could happen. It's almost like your sounding block. How, how was your support network throughout, throughout your process and throughout doing all of this? Um, I have a very, I'd say I have a very strong support network. And I think that the social workers in, um, uh, assessing me we're always <clears throat> we're always saying this you know this is a real highlight of your um you know your who you are in relation to adopting mm. because being on your own is hard and you do yeah. need you know just for for, for a four four day old um just to have somebody else to be able to cook dinner for the other child child um, yeah. is a luxury that I don't have um, and so, you know, the, I, I, I know that after I spoke with my social worker, and I think they do it now regularly, but they allowed somebody else to be um, DBS checked in order for right. them to be able to take on a little bit more than you would do in a, in a traditional adoption where you might yeah. want to avoid other, other people. But just to, just to give us a break, I think. Really. Yeah, which I, th I think is that's such a sensible decision isn't it to yeah. say look let's bring in a, a grandparent or something like that let's let's ensure that we're putting the right 
groundwork in to make sure you've got the right sort of um, support there um, yeah. because you know it almost feels it's weird it almost feels like it's a taboo subject to talk when you're talking um, about solo adoption it almost feels like a taboo subject to say you're doing this on your own and I've always seen social workers kind of dodge around here and go well but of course they are so let's address that let's actually <laughs> talk about that <laughs> and go exactly what you just said it's hard Be being a parent full stop that's hard being a parent and you've got a partner is the way I've experienced it and it's hard work but I've had times when um my husband went away with work for a week and that's literally that is the closest I'm ever going to get and our placement we we were a family for years when that happened and even then there were times when I was like crikey I've got a lot to think about so so that must be that must be a challenge and that must sort of must be quite daunting when you're first starting that process I think it is but I think also the difference there is that I don't know any other way so you know, yeah you, yeah yeah and, and I, I do remember so friends through you know antenatal classes through my first first child mm -hmm. um, who and they would they would absolutely panic about um you know the partners going away for a weekend um and I and I'd go oh okay oh that's so that's a that's something that, that other people might find a bit difficult you know yeah I, I swings around about it is yeah and I don't know any other, other um other other way really so mm. that helps I suppose <laughs> yeah and, and I guess again this is this is when we go back to that term resilience um yeah. you know I think whatever a person's circumstances are you you mold to that and you fit around it and you go okay this is the hand i've been dealt i'm i'm gonna deal with it and i'm gonna get on with it and not only am i gonna get on with it i'm gonna be good at it and i'm gonna have fun with it there's no other option right it, it, yeah. you just say well i, I want to be a family so it yes. will work <laughs> yes. Yes. Have, have you along the way have you found that there's anything that's stood out for you as being a particular sort of challenge that you thought all oh, I never anticipated this or one thing that you think that was really difficult along your way? Uh, without a doubt, the, the hardest um, mo two, mo two moments actually were the first meeting with birth parents mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. and the final meeting with, with birth parents. Yeah. Um, so there was nothing that anyone could say in training to prepare you for that. No. The, the the sheer kind of terror at the beginning of meeting somebody of who is in the process of uh, their child having been removed um very very difficult and then of course that that final that final meeting as well mm. you know it's clearly it's a you know I'm really glad that I went through that that process for for my boys I also liked to, I like to hope that it was helpful for um, birth parents and in particular birth mother who I um, had a good relationship with to know me in that sense. Mm. You know, they, don't, they don't know me, but they, they have a, you know, it's, it's a greater understanding of who their child is with. Yeah. Uh, so, so whilst those were really hard moments, I think that, you know, they were, they were 
necessary and in terms of long term they turned out to be you know the the, the most important mm, yes moments for for me yeah so obviously i'm aware of conscious of time uh <laughs> so i won't keep it too long we've um we've managed to get through this um before we started recording anna anna warned me that there may be a an invasion of toddler <laughs> um yeah, but, but we've done yeah. all right we, yeah <laughs> uh, as i say that we're, we're now gonna <laughs> i'm gonna jinx it so. Oh, <laughs> um so your experiences have been so vast you know going through uh birth child then going through voluntary agency to do foster to adopt then going on to do um sibling placement via a local authority so your your experience must be vast your head must spin sometimes trying to put all of that into place and say right this yeah this is how this one how and it must be quite um quite a challenge in itself to try and yeah. work that yeah. through <laughs> I, 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 the things i remember are that i remember well are the emotional impacts the, the p- things to do with people Mm. So the birth family, the foster families, I remember all those things really well. Yeah. What I can't remember is I was trying to do this in kind of preparing to speak with you today is mm. to try to think about all the names of all those different <laughs> stages and all those different panels. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> I've been on and I've got no idea what they all, what they all were. Cause of course I had to do a fostering one. And, and then, yeah. Mm. So those are things I, you know, I can't, I process which you are prepared very well for, um, I think in a lot of training yeah. and when you're living through it, you, the, the process is, is kind of all there, but it's completely gone now. I've Absolutely. No yeah. The other thing I just wanted, I should have said for, for a really difficult moment was um, I found introductions hard as well in okay. the, the uh, traditional adoption. And I think for me, not so much because it's there's a kind of certainty about it you know where this is going mm. so it wasn't the same as the uncertainty of fostering mm-hmm. um, but logistically and um in terms of exhaustion and i just found it very very exhausting and yeah um, yeah t- really tough mm. and i think i think that is something that i found as a, maybe the, the hardest thing as a solo parent to to do to be in control of yeah I, again it's not having that sounding block and, and not having somebody else where you can say do you know what i need to be really really good on this but i still need a cup of tea i need to just i need to take just 30 seconds to just <laughs> because it's it's emotionally exhausting as well introductions isn't it when you when you're meeting this this little person that's going to at the end of these introductions going to come home with you and be your child it's emotionally so draining um so yeah no i yeah and were were your other two children allowed to be a part of the introductions or yes they were so we did it all in um we kind of built it all up so i think my daughter came so I, it was just me, then my daughter came, mm-hmm. and then we only had one session with all of us there yep. at the foster carers. Yeah. And then when he came, started to come to me the following week, then obviously they were they were there. Of so course. yes, it's a, stag- a staggered, kind of slow introduction one by one. <laughs> Which is lovely, isn't it? It's, it? It means that they were involved in the process as well. Um, yeah. So that's 
that works really nicely. I'm I'm pleased to hear that. That's uh, yeah, it that's was awesome. lovely. And the foster care also took videos of, of them meeting for the first time, so it's really that, beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful. Um, so what would you say to someone who's considering? I'm, I know that you did it through concurrent, but I'm going to say, what would you say if someone was considering fostering to adopt? What What would be your top tip or bit of advice? Well, my top my my top bit of advice is is do it. I can't think of anything in the adoption journey and pro- or process. I can't think of anything more um, rewarding and uh, helpful for children in terms of early permanence and placements. Mm. Um, and I think going back to that word resilience, I think to, to understand that, that you are part of a, a bigger process that is about that child and not about you. I think you need yeah. to kind of, you know, put yourself right down at the bottom of that hierarchy. Um, and, and then I think it, it, you, you'll do well, you know, yeah. and I think, I think understanding that relationship with birth parents, which you are more likely to get through foster to, to adopt yeah. and will, will definitely get through concurrency um, is one of the most important things for my family and mm. for the ability for us to include birth parents in our lives in the present, mm. not just in the past. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Well, Anna, it has been incredible speaking to you and hearing about your journey. Um, I think your children sound like they are very, very lucky to have you. Um, and it sounds like a wicked, a wicked family that you've got there. Um, and I love, I love the idea of the sort of the chaos, but the beautiful chaos that you've described. It sounds, it sounds fantastic. And I always talk about the, the sort of the experience of having a child run up to you and throw their arms around you and call you mum or dad and saying how wonderful it is. So to have three of them an army of love charging at you that's got to win right <laughs> oh, it, it has being smothered by them on the sofa at night all three of them it's it's incredible yeah incredible. <laughs> yeah I, I can't imagine that if, if you could bottle that euphoric moment you'd, yeah. you'd be a millionaire <laughs> <laughs> but listen it's um it's been so wonderful speaking to you and I'm I'm confident you know that your journey is going to sort of be a great journey for people to hear about. And and I think it'll inspire others. So thank you so, so much. Um, Obviously what I'll do, I'll post this out. And then if anyone wants to get in touch with you, they can drop me a line and I can sort of see about connecting, um, connecting you guys up as well. I'm, I'm sure. So, but thank you again. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, we've been chatting to Anna about her incredible journey um, and I hope you found it as fascinating as I have um, and I will speak to you again next week.